0: Welcome to the Film Comment Podcast. I'm Clinton Krupp, the co-deputy editor of Film Comment. Hold Me Tight, the latest directorial venture from actor and filmmaker Matthew Amaric is a riveting kaleidoscopic entry to the canon of movies about women on The Verge. The film, which opened last Friday, features Vicky Creeps as Clarice, a young mother on the run who may, or may not, depending on your reading of the story, be going through indescribable grief. The actor turns in a performance of mesmerizing fluidity and mystery, as Almarik's elliptical storytelling keeps the audience guessing about the nature of Clarice's reality. Last week, we welcomed the director and star for a film comment live talk about their new movie, the narrative and cinematic balancing act of depicting a mind in flux, the film's imaginative use of music, and much more. We hope you enjoy the conversation. So the film is an adaptation of a play. The playwright is Claudine Galea, and we wanted to start off by asking how you encountered This play, Matthew, and what inspired you to turn this into a film? Because the story is so cinematic. It doesn't necessarily read as something that was adapted from the stage. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
1: So maybe you could. Well, sometimes when you start on a material that has nothing to do with movies, uh, well, then you have to dig in to find something that can be only uh, for screen, you know? It can be uh, tricky if you read a story and think oh this is for cinema this is and in fact after a moment no and there w- with this is the play uh, that has been uh, republished in, in French from Claudine because she she wrote it uh, 18 years ago uh, it was never performed Mickey, what,
2: what's the play called it's
1: called Je reviens de loin mm-hmm. it's, it's an never expression never been produced then never been uh, performed okay It has been published, Ah, um, but not performed on stage. And uh, Je reviens de loin means uh, I'm coming back from far, you know, like, uh, (laughs) and, uh, but it's not really written as a play. Sometimes there's. Characters that are called called A B C D like a uh-huh. antique core, you know. Okay. Sometimes and there's the the inner thoughts that uh, uh, are superposed with uh, voices
2: in the text itself. Like yeah, you it's can look how it's, it?
1: like graphically how it's done. And okay. sometimes it's monologues. Sometimes it's. Pieces of reality, so: So there aren't stages, it's not, it's, it's not a play in no,
0: any kind of traditional. Sense. No. Mm-hmm. It is already
1: something where there is um, a game on imagination. yes. right. Mm-hmm. And that's what attracted me. The fact that maybe we could, if there was a genre in cinema that would be possible it would be the Phantom film. And, of course, the melodramatic film. Right, right, right.
2: Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting. So you said the title translates to I will come back, I'm going to come back. No,
1: it's like an expression. But the problem is um, je reviens de loin, when you say it in French, Uh it more means, uh, I don't know, I was in prison, I lost my job, and now I had hard times.
0: Like I'm making a That's a a bit what you would hear.
1: It's not very romantic. Okay. Mm. Putain, je reviens de loin là. I really... Like I'm back in my feet, kind of. Yeah. yeah. So that's why I didn't keep that mm. title. And yeah. the title Hold Me Tight, I have to say, was before the pandemic. Mm. I didn't <laughs> choose that title. For <laughs> It was before. And it comes from a song from oh, a French singer called Étienne Dao, for the French people, who know. La nage indienne, voilà. Okay, mm.
2: because I... It's interesting... You know, the differences in the titles, uh, the movie is saying like, hold me tight, don't let me leave, you know, and sort of, it's not about returning, it's about, I don't want to leave, and so I don't want to return. And I did read, uh, you know, in the press kit for the film, you said that the play ends with the final revelation, which, you know, Vicky's character, Clarice, you think that she's a woman who's leaving her family, and then about a third into the film, you realize that, no, she... Her family left her in the sense that they passed away, and she is leaving them in order to come to t- terms with that loss. Like if she leaves, that means they have stayed. Yeah. Uh, although... And you moved that twist earlier. Mm. The play ended with it, and I, I was completely surprised by your gesture to do that, mm. to to reveal that to us early on, because it changes the movie from a thriller to a melodrama.
1: Oh,
0: well, Vicky, did good. you when you first were hmm. came on board, did you sorry, just to like lead into that, but did you um was that reveal at the end or was it in the middle or how were you aware of that that
3: change? Uh no, so I I first he gave me the play. You. Yeah, so that was kind of the Condition. (laughs) No. But I met him and he had this backpack actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which he was filling it around where he was just now. And going like, I have something here. And then he got the play out, like now, which he handed to me, and he said, Here's this is what I want to talk to you about. It's 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 a play. Can you read it if you like it? I give you something else. And I read it immediately, and there it's in the end. And then when I got the script. Uh, which was on a, a little memory stick, which he got, gave me in the park, and it was not COVID yet, but we met in the park.
0: Like a spy movie kind yeah, of Yeah,
3: and he handed me the stick <laughs> with a play. There it was already moved. But there was a lot of changes made in the editing.
2: But, but I was curious why you made that decision, because it just makes it a different story.
1: It's because... Um, we were lucky to shoot this film in three periods of time. Because of the mountain, we needed the snow and we needed the melt in the spring. So um, we shot during one year and a half um, and would edit between the shooting and could be able to be a bit a spectator. And
0: just to fill people in, there's a, the part of the film takes place in uh, a, sort of a ski lodge in the mountains. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah.
2: Which is where Clarice loses her right, family right. to an accident.
1: Yeah. It's, yes, that is the, um, to put the story in order, yes. As you said, she, it's a woman that, yeah. Well, and then uh, what we felt is that uh, uh, with this revelation at the end, uh, it was like if the editor and the people making the film were the puppeteers mm. and we were too far from her imagination yeah. what really attracted me is her humor her capacity of um bringing beautiful things with her imagination so we had to bring back the film to clarice mm-hmm. so that all the images that you see are in fact constructed by the character
3: mm-hmm. yeah and so it becomes projected more by, by her human and less uh because you make the the comparison of a thriller and a melodrama and that's exactly what yeah. it is because he wanted it to go like you say, get away from the brain mm-hmm. to the belly, which is basically that choice does. You know, it mm-hmm. takes it away from you trying to be the detective. Oh, what did really happen? You know, how clever are you? Do you get it? You know, and to something more uh, emotional that mm-hmm. you experience almost unconsciously, but through your emotions.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think what that does is also. That once we know that your character is um, making, you know, sort of making this up, fantasizing it, you also start to develop this almost admiration for her intelligence, you know, as opposed to being mystified by her, feeling sympathy or for judging her, her think, at yeah, the beginning. Yeah, but you're, you know, it, it, exactly pity. because there is a woman who leaves yeah. is always that's a very morally fraught right right yeah, yeah. trope. And then you think, oh, this woman is devastated, but also how intelligent and creative that she's fashioned this. Um, And how did you, Vicky, sort of, you know, I was thinking both those sides of the film bring to mind so many famous cinematic heroines: the woman who leaves her children and her family, the hysteric, you know, the woman who also, you know, there are films, I mean, sometimes it's almost like she's a psychopath. I mean, what she's doing is like, you know, something a criminal would do. You feel like that sometimes. So what references were you drawing on?
3: Um, What's interesting what you said is that everything you you spoke about is these images of women. They are mostly tied to time. And I think we, we are in a different time. And every generation learns from the one before. And we move on every generation. I think women now have moved on again a big step and so I think all the movies we know where a woman leaves a family it's always either you judge or it's like oh the poor victim oh but she made it she got away or uh, the hysteric you know oh a woman is always hysterical and it's a big problem or uh, if she's not then she becomes a hero and here she's just human which before was only for men you know men could be both they could be good and bad they could It's stay in the end or leave in the end or leave the woman or, you know, the the woman saying, I go back to the town, you have to follow me, and he doesn't follow, he stays a cowboy, you know, and it's all fine, you know, it's good or bad, we don't know, but it's fine. And I think because I grew up differently again already, it felt perfectly that I didn't even think of the judging when I was doing it. I mean, now if if, if if I watch it, I see it, of course, in the beginning that you do judge, but doing it, I was not. I didn't feel, like if as if I had to deal with these things. Oh, the woman is crazy, or, or the woman is a bad woman, or, or the woman is a victim. No, I was just someone, a, a human being, a person, you know, reacting to what's happening.
0: Did you think about? Uh, so you said this earlier generation of characters and women who had to deal with this kind of judgment. Um, the, the first part of the film really did remind me, though, of, of films like Barbara Loden's Wanda and, and uh, you know, these movies from the 70s of and uh, Cassavetes, um, Women Under the Influence kind of situations. And uh, I wonder if there were reference points. Rain People. Points. What, rain People, right. Um, how much did you think about these kind of cinematic forebears when you were, when you were conceiving of the character or of the, the look of the film?
3: Well, I mean, he gave me... Uh, the only uh, thing to watch or was Rain People. Hmm. But I, I, I didn't watch it. <laughs> well, I watched it afterwards. But I didn't Is know that, about... Was that, the... a con-
0: was that a choice to avoid?
3: Yeah, I yeah. usually try to stay out of the illusion that I can understand something before I do it, because <laughs> it's not possible, you know. Uh, but I, I was aware of the... the Imagery of this kind of movie and other movies of the 70s that I had seen. And the whole image, you know, I mean, Woman Under Influence could be my mom. It's not my mom. And my mother was not that extreme. But I feel that many women, especially in the 70s, had to deal with that problem. Like, as soon as you were a little different, or a little just like, ooh, the crazy woman, and then she's probably an alcoholic or an nymphomaniac or something's wrong. Uh, so I, yeah, so I really tried to. not think about it and sometimes it would come to me I remember when we did the scene in the cafe where I uh, hugged the person the only scene I'm really tapping into craziness and alcohol after the scene that day I I did suddenly it visited me the image of a woman under the influence Mm. but not so much before but after I did it I realized the I don't know I could feel the the relation
0: yeah I think that that scene is is stands out too because there's this kind of if you're not if you're the first time you see the film and you're not aware of the tragedy there's a humor to it but if you the second time you see it it's just like devastating mm-hmm. if you think that she's a woman who's sort of a little unhinged then there's a there's an aspect of that scene that's like, oh, this is kind of like a weird like this guy is being hugged in a bar so I think that um, there's this balance between the pathos and the humor, I think that is uh, pretty remarkable in this film. Um, is that something that was you tried to consciously weave in from the beginning?
1: Well, I think it's also thanks to those three periods of shooting mm-hmm. and the fact that as, reacting as a spectator, um, we shot the first uh time it was spring that means it's the end of the film mostly for the mountain that means when uh Clarice sees the bodies coming back from the mountain and uh so we were a bit like uh religious and serious and respectful and then we edit this and when we the crew uh, gathered together again for the second period in november um during that was the longest shooting we shot four weeks that time uh it was starting like ah, we're not gonna film a saint you know (laughs) because that's also one of the other uh, oh, yeah. man, stereotypes. man stereotypes right. about woman is that she's a saint, uh, and so, uh, uh, and so my job was just to bring things very casual stuff. Even there is things I, we shot. But that we didn't edit, but it was very funny. You know, when you you're just driving and you want to pee and you're yeah. just peeing there and coming back in the car. <sighs> oh,
2: when she. Uh, no, when it's then... not in
1: the film. But I mean, just <laughs> no. we needed to. to, 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 to the, the, It's Vicky, you know, and. But bring, I
2: was gonna. Uh, what I was mentioning was that, but that scene uh, where a man. Yeah. Uh, compliments the car, and right. you say, "What am I? A tomato?" Yeah. And, yeah oh I mean, right, right, right. Yeah, that's. that's and
0: great.
2: that
1: was the third part. Yeah. Uh, that was the third shooting, where when we uh, found each other again uh, in January 2020 oh, for the we needed this, the the snow. Um, I mean. W- For Vicky, you can't imagine, I mean, she's going to tell you, but coming back each time and having to go back to this woman that Mm -hmm. lost her family in an avalanche in uh, winter and has to wait for the spring because that's the story, you know? That's the story, (laughs) if you put it in order. And so she finds a way to, uh, that the time flies a bit, quicker. Uh, she had to go back to that character each time. And the third time, really, with Francois, I, Digier, the editor, we were really sick about that story. And Vicky, and the first thing, when we just saw each other, she, she just said, ah, yeah, I'm OK, but the kids, uh, phew, sometimes I'm sick of them. Uh, I want to throw them by the window. And, and. I don't know. He said, maybe let's forget about this story. Let's just do funny things. And as we hadn't any actors, mm-hmm. that's where all the people of the crew had to act. And this guy this is, is in a, the third... from uh, the light department. Oh, the guy and who talk. We hug. call him Clark Gable because he's always very like that. He, ha- he has cigars in his truck and he drinks champagne yeah. and just
3: like that. And,
1: and it was nice that uh, Victor gets a. Uh, Ah, he's not good in his flirt. He's not at the right moment. He doesn't. You know, uh, so the characters why? in the the
0: fish just market do, scene or are those also just kind of. Was that was that from the same? <sighs> no, that sheet? was
1: before. That was in November, and that's oh, okay. a, that's a tough scene. I mean, it was. Right. It was. Oof. I mean, we knew exactly what uh, the character was living. I mean, when she puts those. Uh, Les Ardoises, I don't yeah, know, the, 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 the price, thing where you the put price, the price back, thing. Yeah. I mean, of course, it's, it's tom- uh, tombs, uh, the, the tomb. Mm. And that's what she is, right? was thinking of. Okay.
2: Um, you know, strangely, Vicky, uh, watching you in this role reminded me of you in Bergman Island, where you play a writer-director mm. who is narrating a story that we see come to life. It's totally different, obviously. Yeah, you're not a writer-director here, but it's almost like you are. You know, you're telling oh. telling a story and then you're directing the people in your memory to act a certain way. Um, so I wanted to ask you about that experience also, feeling it's like you're acting, but you're also creating the scenes in a certain way your character is. And in that moment in the bar, we see you lose control, but otherwise you're you have control over everything we see your character um i was wondering if you could speak to you know that treading that balance um
3: so the comparison with berkman island is true also for the for the ghost because berkman island we also had to shoot in two years and the first year i didn't have a husband yet because we hadn't found an actor so it felt like I was acting with the ghost of Berkman, really, which was very weird and strange and beyond the island. and I'm someone I always take what I have around me. So I, if it's a stone, it's a stone. If it's a fantasy, it's a fantasy. Berkman Island was a mix of like the fa- fantôme of Berkman. I remember thinking that maybe Berkman made it that way and he wanted to approve of me. As a woman, you know, the man he was, like, who is this woman coming to my, I have to, you know, I'm her man. Like, she cannot have another man. I don't know, it was a funny idea I had. So there was also the the ghost component, really, and also in the movie and how fantasy goes. And she uses fantasy in, in Bergman Island to transcend reality to fantasy back to reality. And uses fantasy to solve a problem in reality, which is I cannot find my story, but also... I cannot be my own woman next to my man, you know. How can I emancipate myself from myself and my own expectations as a woman and as a director? And so Clarice is doing the same. She uses fantasy to solve something in the present and in the real Mm. reality, which, again, Vicky is doing all the time, I guess, uh, acting, Mm. in a way. So I think um, it's, it's, it's a search I'm on as a person, in general, I think, but Clarisse is somewhere between because you say she's in control of the story, but she's in control, but not so. When we were shooting, I was the only one I think who who was not really in control. I had no. At some point, I tr- I gave up trying to understand where we are in time, what my character is about to do next, because I would I would lose. It was not possible. Also with. This guy. (laughs) No, but it was really like an experience because Mathieu is working really like an artist and it's very free and so it changes all the time and you, you follow the instinct. So I gave up control. But giving up the control, I regained my strength. And I think what you see is the strength. So in the cafe is the only time I consciously accepted my weakness and vulnerability and the pain. And I accepted the pain to come up and almost suffocate me and make me go crazy from pain. And all the rest of the movie, what you see is I'm not at all in control, but I have some sort of strength that allows me to move on, although there is this terrible pain and sadness that would otherwise suffocate me.
2: Matthew, did making the movie make you think of directing differently?
1: Um, what what what? Uh, making the film, make-
2: making this film, yes. where I feel like the film is about a woman who basically uh, becomes a director uh-huh, uh-huh. in order to solve her pain.
0: And I think it's most explicit in that yeah. scene where they make pancakes, which yeah, is, and she's she starts oh, yeah. telling uh, Mark what to do and what to say. Yeah. Oh yeah.
2: It it just feels like some kind of existential commentary. Yeah, on I did think about making.
1: that. You're true. Well, I, I I think I am very close to uh, what Vicky was saying on uh, uh, not uh, uh, not controlling, uh, and in the same time finding your strength in that state of non-control, believing, in fact, in non-control. Um, to be something that can be very uh, exhilar- exhilarating.
3: Yeah, and trust out of... Because we were sp- speaking earlier and we realized that it's all based on huge trust. But it's based on nothing because it's not like we worked before or like there's anything te- that would tell me that I can trust him or and anything. And faith then and
0: in a way. You right, know,
3: yeah. but there faith. was huge trust and faith. So I think it's also an act of... It's a very genuine act to trust malgré tout. Mm. So you trust even though you have no reason to. Like we live in a world where we are in this commercial exchange of if you give me this, I give you this, right? So if you make me feel comfortable, I will trust you. If you make me feel loved, I will give love in return. And this was like a collaboration of communal free trust. You know, (laughs) like, okay, I just...
0: yeah, I mean, it sounds to me like uh, improvising music t- to a certain yeah. extent. You know, when you're the way, the way that you're ex- describing this sounds a lot like you know jazz musicians yes. might yes. describe their experience.
1: Um, That's true, and of course, music in the film right. is, and it was live music because the two girls are pianists.
0: You know, I was going to ask about that. There's that incredible scene early on where that. she starts, the young girl starts playing, and her hands look. It's almost like CGI. Like mm-hmm. I just can't believe that this person is playing this at this speed. Yeah. This was this was all these these.
1: Oh, the music is were... live. Yes. Wow. Uh, uh, and Sophie, the little one, and Juliet, the bigger Lucy, uh, well, false Lucy, is um, our pianist. And uh, yes, it did create something also um, of the. Yeah, the skill. Yeah,
3: it was like a real life soundtrack that was always going on, for real, you know.
1: And knowing that all that music in reality Mm -hmm. uh, of the story has in fact never existed. Right. The music stopped at la lettre d'Élise, the letter of Élise. Oh, great! In reality,
0: on the tape, right? Yes.
1: In reality, the little girl. Right. Lucy you see it died.
0: And, as, and throughout <laughs> the film, she's playing more and more advanced pieces, right? Or in oh, the yeah. imagination.
3: of uh, My character's imagination is that yeah. if right. my daughter grows up, I wish for her that she becomes this great pianist. Mm-hmm. And then she pushes it almost too far. And the poor girl in her imagination has to go to the conservatory and become right, like right. this great. And then that's when it all crumbles because she just pushes it a little too mm. far. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I found this really interesting, you know, Matthew, you've talked about this film in relation to hyper-realism as a word that you used. And what I found really interesting is Clarice is looking for realism, right? I mean, she's trying to construct a phantom version of her family's life that feels as real as possible. And that means that she has to go past the Romanticization of memory. So she, she imagines her kids being unpleasant, fighting, mm. you, know, be, you know, she imagines like the bad things that happen in real life. Mm. And I thought that was really interesting. I mean, how, how much of that is in the play? How much of the actual imagined life of Clarice did you guys come up with?
1: I don't know anymore. <laughs> um, a lot of things are in Claudine's text, yeah. a lot. There is the piano, of course. There is Martha Argerich, that is said. Uh, there is um, the lighter. There is the wooden uh, horse. Uh, there is the brother and the sister fighting, I suppose.
2: Lighting her diary on fire? No, <laughs> there is.
1: there is... Is there a diary... That I I think there is a there is a diary. The mother has a diary that she imagined her daughter. But I don't. There is no the fire. No.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's when it got like you know they were just fighting it out. I think it's
1: the moment where uh, Clarice has to burn her imagination, Mm -hmm. her false story, Mm -hmm. and that's why then the two next shots are not hyper realism. Mm -hmm in the train and at the conservatoire, at the, it's, you, it's, yeah. it's false. Mm. Uh, like when she goes and see uh, uh, the guy that works with her husband at the train factory, and, yeah. and he, she tells him, she asks him, where is he? And, and he says, well, you decide. You tell me, and I'll, you invent the story, and I'll tell you whatever you want to hear. You invented everything, so... <sighs> this is where the hyper realism came from Robert Beshtler, the Mm -hmm. painter and and it's this gesture of reproducing uh, um, a photo in paint Mm -hmm. I found that gesture so strange so I Mm -hmm. think uh, 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 I associate it to something very Mm -hmm. spiritual and um, a need of hanging to something, to hold to something.
2: Well, oh, is yes. it like reproducing a play in cinema? Um,
1: uh, I, I, yeah, I see what you... Yeah, but there, my job was more to um, uh, to, to dig like an archaeologist in what Claudine didn't even notice that she had written mm. uh, in her foreword. She talked a lot about cinema. She loves cinema, mm. and I just had to, you know, to plunge. and I love theater. I'm I'm not part of those people uh, that have uh, who come from cinema and have a problem with with theater. Mm. And I love, especially. Uh, dance and I I think a lot about dancing so I think that's why also uh, the dialogues go away and are replaced by gestures Mm -hmm. and the fact also that I film a lot of music now Mm -hmm. this film wouldn't have been the same if I hadn't filmed John Zorn for 12 years now or Mm -hmm. Barbara Hannigan and that really changed something
0: did you think about music in terms of the narrative structure as well? Yes. Because I feel like the the film really does have this almost musical... Yes. The, there's,
1: the, there's the two repeated elements. needed, yeah. They yeah. needed really to know which, part, uh, which uh, music they had to, to learn. Yeah. So, uh, yes, that I had to do it in advance. So there is one music, Rameau, that would be uh, Clarisse's state of uh, Ritournelle, you know, like... Right. Like Deleuze talks about ritournelle, something that just is always the same thing. Right. And in La Gavotte, it's it's called La Gavotte et ses doubles, Gavotte and its doubles okay. in French. That's the first word that then became variations. And right. uh, and it's always the same theme. And then there's of course uh, scholar music that you learn mm-hmm. always, and then. The mother that has the freedom or the desire to imagine her daughter disobeying and going somewhere else in music and go to Ligeti. Right. That you don't think is written. Which you is also. You think it's yeah. just.
0: But it's also predicated on repetition. Yeah. And you see, through, like many of the pieces that are included are these kind of repetitive, yeah. fugue like pieces. And then you see that sort of mirrored in the structure of the narrative. That you've created here, so we have these like memories coming back and coming back and revising and and, you know, she's creating new forms new, or new uh, new memories really for
1: herself. Yeah, that's it. It's new memories because it's only projections, right? Right.
0: Because <laughs> these these things
1: didn't happen, right?
0: No. Yeah.
1: Um, what wanna... happened, unfortunately, is yeah is is in the um, uh, in this ski resort. I mean. Yeah, The discotech, and the discotech, and
0: the discotech. Remember the that's meeting. that's in the past, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to ask specifically about the J.J. Kale song too, which yeah. is uh, that's what I did, was
1: gonna talk you about
0: because I, I love that song and it and it really is like cherry. Uh, it's a, it's such a cherry is the name of the song. It's from,
3: funny you say that because it's yeah, the, it, it's it's my fault because. Uh, you could say, because it, it, if you do that, it costs money for someone to get the rights. But it happened because of his idea, very special idea of working. I have to go into that a little bit to explain. So his idea was to film a scene where the scene was happening in the kitchen and filmed. And the father was acting with the two children, but he had an in earpiece piece. And over in the in the room above the kitchen, I was sitting and I had uh, earphones and I would hear the sound they were recording. And I had a little screen and I would see what was filmed. So and I had a microphone. So I was talking into his ear as I saw him move. This is a, uh,
0: Mark uh, Mark played by
3: Arié Voltrate. Arié Voltrate. And so he wanted me to talk to Arié as I am directing my fantasy, right, and um, to, you know, destabilize him or whatever, but mainly to seduce him, Mm. to go back into my own memory and, and, and seduce him. That was one of the things Mathieu said to me. And then, I couldn't hold on to myself, but to me, this song is the most beautiful, like, seduction song you could ever think of you know if i was if i was to seduce someone or if, if i would like to be seduced it would be with this song you know it's, it's so beautiful he says you know jerry i don't know if you know it but it, it it's just so cute and so i had to sing it and i remember thinking oh, you're probably not allowed to do this because no. whenever you sing a song in a movie it means that you have to go get the rights mm-hmm. and if you're unlucky it's very expensive and you know they're very annoyed. So,
1: and it wasn't expensive.
3: And in the end, it was it's fine. Incredible. But I remember, and then it's I, and then I did it, and it was happy. It wasn't
1: happy. expensive. Remember when I was in the editing? Yes. I left you a message to say, "Hey, what's that song you invented, yeah. Jerry or something? What are, you, where, uh, what are the words?" And you say, "No, it's not Jerry. It's Cherry from G. G. And there I said, "Oh no, shit!" Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be Wait, really. Wait, uh, and this expensive.
2: is maybe Ignorant question, but do you you have to get the rights even if it's a character oh, singing yeah. it? Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, that's why people don't sing "Happy Birthday," right? <laughs> this is yeah. the yes, the cliche. Still the right, wow. What if you
2: sing it really bad? We no, can't no,
1: sing, no! So don't. <laughs> nobody
0: sing "Happy Birthday" All right to. now because we can't afford
1: <laughs> it. You have to pay for everything.
2: Yeah, oh, interesting. But
1: um that's why then the next shooting six months yes. with. Uh, it became, that music became the... He said, now Like, the doo-doo, like the doo-doo of... In the car, yeah. Of, of Clarisse. I like to love And her. so we filmed the scene where she sings it in the car. Right. And we put it on the credits at the end. Yeah. Mm. It's just such
0: a simple song and, and very sure. beautiful. That's and the lyrics so, are so direct. Yeah. Sure. And it has the those, uh, backup vocals that just kind of well. Like and also up. you have
3: the Mountain Dew. So that was oh. the mountain... Right. And it's kind of pure in in the sense that he's saying, yeah, I, I just I just like to love you, you know. Would you Would you love me too? Like it's so yeah. simple, such a simple exchange between two people, yeah. like children, you know. I I actually like you. Can I say it? You know, yeah. they made me <laughs> like me too. That would be cool.
1: And yeah. Vicky, what she did at the beginning of the at the shooting, she gave me a sort of Spotify list of what the lecture the, the reading of the script of the, I don't know inspired her and she gave me yeah. songs there wasn't Cherry but there was another song that I fell in love with that I didn't know um, Helplessly Hoping from still uh, Nash uh, Crosby I don't know okay. in which order you say one it one of them Yeah. Crosby still uh, 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 without Young there's not, not Young. Young and it, it's a beautiful song and she chose it because there was also those words, uh, one, two, three, four, you know. And I hesitated at one moment. It could be that song. We tried it. We also tried a, another song that was very strong. Uh, a, a, a song from uh, George Harrison. Not really The Beatles. It's really a song from Harrison. Well, that one probably would have been a little long, bit Long, long, long. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, from the White, the white Album. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. the Take 44, the one that they, ref- oh, okay. they found in the deluxe right, uh, right, right. re-edition, it's absolutely extraordinary. And on the bodies, when she finds the body, we had that for a very long time. It was that music.
0: Oh, that would be <sighs> very powerful, I can imagine. Well, but that was
2: you have to release this playlist as a, as a bonus feature or something. I well, I,
1: you know, I lost it. I couldn't find it anymore in Spotify, oh. if you have it. Wow, they were so beautiful stuff.
2: I always use music as well.
1: Mm.
2: I mean, I'm interested also more broadly in the soundscape of the film, mm-hmm. which is so intricate. And you know, when I first was watching the film, I even thought, is there a problem with the audio? I mean, is you know, is a different soundtrack playing over the film? And it and then I realized, oh wait, something's going on with the uh texture of reality here. But how did you construct those colliding? Sounds and voices. I mean, it feels very organic.
3: Well, like tried,
2: the inside of a mind. Yeah, yeah.
1: try to do it on the spot, on the moment. Like doing, not doing. After the shooting, uh, three months later. You uh, oh, know, right? You see? Yeah. No, that was direct sound. And uh, with Olivier Mauvesin, the sound recorder, who's uh, poet. <laughs> He's a wonderful man. And he, he he would create also the possibility that there would be live music and dialogues in the same time. Yeah, we would... Uh,
2: like a play.
1: Yeah, we would mm-hmm. s- create a sort of space, a mental sound space. And this house where there was music all the time, because the girls had to work also yeah. on the piano. Yeah. And... Uh, and then um no we just we we didn't play that much with virtuosity in the editing of sound that much a little but really not that much for instance when she's crying in the cafe when she's hugging the man and uh, she's continuing to cry and we see the girl uh, the family, uh, and she's playing piano, the little one, but you don't hear the notes. And then, ding, there's just one note, and the father says, hey, are you listening to me? What What did you say? And uh, um, yes, that is something uh, we created. And then that's where also um, there was one note, the the A note that comes very often. Mm. Just one note, Dung, when the little boy goes to the, opens the piano, he just, like if he's an appeal to her. And that note comes regularly. And it's the same note uh, of the Ligeti that is um, written only with A notes. It's only A's. Mm. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's only A's everywhere. Uh so I would think things think of things like that. And then what's extraordinary uh, in sound editing is that for instance, yeah I remember in the market, uh the the fish market, and we had a mic on Vicky with things like that. And then we had the sound of the market. Mm-hmm. And then we had one mic on the guy uh, who talks to her. Who right, said, right. ça va, madame? Vous allez bien? Mm-hmm. A... Mm-hmm. Who makes jokes. And so you just look at the mic. And in fact, we just have the sound of that mic because we, you could only hear the...
0: Right, right.
1: So, you know, you 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 take out other tracks and keep only one and it creates... But it was important for me that from the beginning there is a problem. There is. Uh, I was very scared that people would believe that she le- left her family uh, once they get out of the cinema. You see what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't want think that them I don't that think you maybe two days later that, yeah. they say, "Oh, but I don't, she, of course, yeah, she never left her family." Oh my God, that's <laughs> awful. Even if it's two days later, but mm. that that would be erased. And we did do sound editing at the beginning on that, where there was only a... And just Mm. a bit. We did, we kept it a bit, but... Yeah.
2: But It really is incredible that it was all direct sound. I mean, now I'm... Yeah, it's mostly
1: direct sound made with uh, the fact that Olivier... Uh, puts mics everywhere.
0: Well, this is that hyper-realism. I mean, this yeah. is it, this ma- that sound editing and that sound scape really make the intensity of the emotions and the kind of slipperiness of the emotions yeah. come through. I think
1: there is some voice that Vicky did after the shooting, or yeah. that she would sp- send me during the editing by phone during the confinement, for instance, from Berlin, and I would try and. Um, things that would be more explicit also. I was sick of the mystery after a moment. You
0: just wanted to make it clear what oh, the... Oh, I yeah. wanted
1: uh, sometimes to put it in order. Uh, I was just sick about it. And uh, when I did this film, it was a reaction to the previous one called Barbara, and I really said to the producer, I want a story in order.
0: Oh, really? So yeah. This is And this is your, this is your I know, answer? I know. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, next it is, time it is. But in order
2: to. I mean, it, what is order? It would have been <laughs> so boring.
0: Although we actually, you know, we were. I, w- I had a question. The scene at the beginning with the f- with the photographs, yeah. the Polaroids, and then there's a scene near the end with yeah. the Polaroids.
1: It wasn't it, written like that. It wasn't, wasn't supposed to be at all.
0: It yeah. wasn't supposed to be kind of a mirror or a continuation. No. But are
2: they the same scene? I mean, I don't know. This is yes. kind of they are...
0: so the so okay. In between there, we have this. <laughs> we
2: were arguing about this. Uh, because yeah, I, I was sure. like, I think it's the same scene. Yeah, it's, it's
1: the same, same shot. The same. Oh, okay.
0: Interesting. So then she's so the beginning, she's about to leave the house. So that, then the film unf- unf- unfurls from there.
2: It's, I think this was my reading. Okay. I thought that we saw her leave the house again, but this time without her fantasy because we yeah, see them repeat it. the same gesture yeah. at the right. end that's it
1: oh, yeah, yeah. oh at the end fortunately she leaves for real and right. she really oh, right. sells yeah. the house interesting and then there's a so shot it's we not were not in order at all. <laughs> no
3: and the polaroids were not there even at all they no. just came yeah out yeah. of the making of the movie because the polaroids were oh, yeah. done by the cameraman when for two days we were creating the past of the family, for two oh. days we would walk around the house and take pictures and oh, for spend like the time refrigerator with the kids. and everything. yeah that 's the first thing we for did decorating the house uh-huh. and then he saw the cameraman put the polaroids out on the grass and seeing it, it made him think of memory the and game yeah
2: oh yeah I mean I was uh, it's interesting because it made me think of memento, the Christopher nolan film
1: <laughs> i didn't see it.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, no. <laughs> spoil this film from the 90s for you. But um, it made me think of that because in that film, the character, it's also non-chronological and he's yeah. kind of keeping track of his life using Polaroids, but then you realize that he's using them to create kind of a fiction. And I just found that very interesting because um, you know, that scene of her playing this game, again, it makes you think that this is a film that is going to ask you to put the pieces back together, but then it gives you all the pieces. It mm. says, no, there's no game here. Mm. It's, mm. you know, it's just yeah. heart and...
1: And at know, the and beginning, heart. it can be a woman that uh, wants to leave. That You think it's totally psychological mm-hmm. and very simple, like, I'm, I'm bored. I, yeah, I'm absolutely. leaving. Yeah. I'm going. And then at the end... It's a person who is able to put two things together. She can put two images together. So, she can go. And she, as she says, uh, on recommence. Let's start right, again. Right. Mm. But again, in right. another way. Mm. No, that it's incredible. That wasn't planned at all. But we did shoot... Uh, something where there was a sort of reverse thing with the real estate agent, uh, the guy. The the first scene was supposed to be the same scene, but with the dialogues that Vicky says was said by the man and the man. It was other way around. So maybe it comes from there.
2: Yeah, I I mean... mean that's the thing, the film feels like memory. I mean, mm-hmm. how memory works. So, you know, it's interesting what? to even putting it, it, there is no use in trying to put it back together because it, it's not supposed mm-hmm. to, you know, make sense, I think. Um, I was, I just wanted to ask, you know, you mentioned Robert Bechtel and photorealism, you also mentored, mentioned Jean Rouge.
1: Ah, yes, that was for the ritual. That we all need rituals,
2: hmm, interesting. and how
1: he filmed in Africa those uh, way to live uh, with dead and bring them alive and bring them in ourselves in a very welcoming, I think, way. Even mm-hmm. if it's a trance, I was thinking of trance that trance. it could be somebody in trance and, and storytelling to too, find right? a ritual. And, yeah. and the storytelling is the t- trance yeah. that she engages in. Yeah, yeah that's really absolutely That's where I... I...
0: Um, I was, as as Deva was talking about in me- the film as memory too, I was also wondering, I think that it occurred to me that that opening scene is really the only time that uh, Vicky's character encounter- directly encounters the children when she says goodbye. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So were you on... <laughs> uh, did you develop a... Were you did you develop a relationship with these children or how did you how did how did you work with them as actors to create this kind of um familial sense that that the film has
3: i mean we had these two days in the beginning and i have children myself so i think it was very easy to give that feeling and so whenever i was on set i, I felt like we, i mean we grew very close actually um but the weird thing was that this was the only time I was really acting with them and for the whole of the shoot which went a long way because of the three periods, so the three time we had to shoot for weather it was a long time and you would go away and you would find each other again and kids grow fast so it, on one hand it was very intense and on the other hand I was always the ghost when I mean there? ghost really but Mathieu's job and Arie's job was to make the kids feel comfortable and happy and they were having so much fun and everyone was having so much fun and I was always the the heavy ghost you know like passing by <laughs> because I couldn't free myself of knowing what I know and also I knew if I let go of knowing what I know we don't have a movie so it was my job to carry my, the knowledge of what actually happened, even if we are playing football with the kids. I mean, I was then never playing football. I was just mm-hmm. on set, of course, so I was not far. But it was a very strange experience. So
0: you were on set for all these uh, these scenes featuring... Oftentimes I was of there, them. yeah. And, and also in
3: the same hotel. Shot, no, yeah, no, and there we there shot... There was
1: the evenings also. The
3: evenings, but even mm-hmm. on set, because we shot very fast, and then yeah. you would have an idea, uh, let's say... Oh, she hangs the, there was one scene, I'm hanging the clothes, you know, I washed them as if I had stayed in the house. Time's passing and I'm just washing the clothes. And everyone was that day quite happy and doing this beautiful scene and thinking about the light and the lighting and the color of the, shall we put this t-shirt here or should we put this trouser here? And I was always on the verge of crying. But I was the only one. But I couldn't free myself of that. I couldn't not know what I knew about this little trouser, you know. Right. So that it's was m- very strange.
0: It's a it's a difficult film for parents to watch. I I think
1: for sure. Yes, it is.
0: And make, is. I'm sure as well. Uh, um, and then
1: also we experienced because. When the film opened in France, it was the moment the cinema opened again. Mm. So I spent maybe two months and a half going from one city to another and meeting people. Uh And they were talking and and I was really amazed how, in fact, uh, it helped them. People who would tell tragedies they went through. Because it's and also a film about isolation. Because yeah. her yeah. technique is wonderful. In fact, mm-hmm. I, I think we should use it. I mean, it's, it helps a lot.
0: Oh, her tech, the Char- Clarissa's yeah. technique of yeah, yeah, yeah it's To make
1: the, to live with the phantoms inside ourselves. Yeah, and this, this title,
0: the title "Hold Me Tight," you know, yeah. presupposes an other. But in the film, there's nobody to hold her tight, really.
1: So she has to procreate. Yeah, them. the title right? is also that in the song. Uh, it's yeah. Serre moi fort," but in French, it's very weird because Serre moins fort." It's very close to serre moi fort." Is the inverse? It means uh, hold less tight. Mm. Moin, moi, moi, moi means me. Moins means less. Oh, okay. And the song is on that Serre moins fort," and on the the script. It was written "sermoi" (ns) uh, in brackets. I, I hesitated between "sermoi" or "sermoi."
0: Sort of a release or like, letting wow. go. I
1: want to forget you. Just get out of my yeah. memory. Right. I don't want you anymore. "sermoi" for the pain that it just yeah. grabs me less.
2: But yeah, I mean, it's like, what does it take to let go? Is <sighs> maybe
3: well, to, to, in order to let go, you have to take responsibility and take yourself take the hand of yourself Mm. which I think is something that's so difficult for us to do because it's the only thing we can do we are always alone and we die alone we come here alone and there's something we have to do every morning is wake up and do another day you know where everything that happened to you the day before or that you carry inside and it's I feel often like every morning we have to pick ourselves up Again and I'm extremely moved oftentimes thinking that everyone around me is doing this ritual, which is like a co- like a huge ritual we all do all the time, every day. Oh, we all narrativizing chime, kind of Yeah, idea. we all chime into this chorus of saying another day. You know, we could really stop. But all of us every morning, everywhere in the world, all these little people just get up every morning and they do it again with everything that we live, everything that happens to us. It's very, very moving, I find, in humankind, that this is something we do, almost like a common dance, like a mondial, you know, worldwide dance. Mm. And to me, the movie is also about this, you know, like you say, isolation, that we all feel, we felt it even more in the lockdown. Right. But we are all somehow isolated in our feelings, in our fears, in our... And there's only ourselves mm-hmm. to then come in and, you know, and Clarissa's just being her own mother mm-hmm. and saying, come on, we play a game. That's what mothers do with kids. Mm-hmm. You know, when they get hurt, you say, oh, let's play a game. You know what? My, my daughter, I remember when she got very hurt the first time and she was cut here and I, she was bleeding all over and I had to take her in the ambulance. And I was telling her about Vikings. I don't know why. <laughs> But all through the drive to the hospital, I was saying, you know, and imagine the Vikings. And then they came and they had these boats and she was, she forgot everything. She was just, she was such a trooper, you know, so mm-hmm. kids are so great. And that's what it made me think of what Clarice is doing right. to herself, you know. This
0: power, it's this power of storytelling as a way of communicate, you know, communicating and, and kind mm-hmm. of. Yeah. And helping yourself. So.
3: Like we we yeah. tell stories for this. We, we we tell um contes de fées, fairy tales. The fairy tales, yeah. right. That's why we tell fairy tales, because when you're hungry, you have no food and I tell you a fairy tale, you're not that hungry anymore, or it doesn't hurt. So to me that's what she's doing to herself, being her own mother to herself.
2: Mm-hmm. Think, uh, I think we really should move yeah, on to audience. We to, we've, we've totally that was a, lost and that track was kind of time. Of, that was a
0: beautiful <laughs> a beautiful note to end on, I think, yes. and move on to <laughs> audience questions. Hi, um, my name is Alex. Uh, thank you so much for the Q&A. Uh, my question is mainly directed towards Vicky in the sense that um, this was already touched on, but throughout a lot of your films, you play these characters that are so witty and just refreshing compared to what we've seen before with women in film. And I guess my question for you is basically what motivates you to defy these tropes that have already been established in the past and how are you inspiring, I mean, you really do inspire women in um, both filmmaking and acting, and what motivates
3: you to keep doing that in storytelling? Because of what was there before. <laughs> because of what you said, you know. Because I, I, it's funny because I'm. I, there's another movie I, I did that's, going to come out. And it's about an empress and, again, about women. And I'm asked always. It'll be at the New York Film Fest. Corsage is the name of the film. Corsage. Yeah. And uh, and it's, again, a woman also leaving her situation, mainly in in her mind, in a way. And I'm often asked, because it was my idea, why was it your idea? Why did you want to do that movie? And it's because when I was 15, I read the biography. And reading it, I felt some sort of sadness behind the, what you see, behind the curtain, let's say. But I was too young to understand what it was. But now I understand that what happened was I felt related to her sadness, although I have not lived then. And then I was like, OK, why do I feel sad being a woman when I grew up free? Oh, so maybe I wasn't free, you know, ah, so I felt the same sadness of being alone because I don't behave as I should as a woman should, being pretty but not too pretty and intelligent, but blah 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 blah, so apparently i was I had to you know um fill in the same tick the same boxes, although my mother was completely free, a hippie, and she said, "You can be whatever you want." Go run into the woods, you know? So society did it actually. And I think this is something, because you ask me now, and I'm just realizing it right now, that's why I create, or maybe why I find movies, or movies find me, because he really found me. So it's also, it goes both ways. I don't know how it works, but something is, it's just this mystery. Why is it like that? Why am I not free as a woman when I could be free? And I think this is why all the characters are always, and it, again, it's also a coincidence because it's not me who wrote his script. It's not me that called him and said, you should really ask me or whatever. But for some reason, the characters are all trying to get free somehow of something, free themselves of, because Clarice is freeing herself of the the, the hand that comes and says, you are suffering, you are a victim, something terrible happened to you, you have to go down. And she finds fantasy to get rid of, to free herself of her own, you know, of having to oblige to the suffering in a way. So I think that's why all the the, why I am so... I don't know. I know exactly what you mean, and I, I don't find the right words, but I am driven by something, and it has to do something to that. I don't know.
0: <laughs> well, you, you, and you should definitely see corsage. I think that you'll see kind of uh, that idea on screen very mu- very clearly expressed.
2: Um, In the fantasy sequence where you say, take off your shirt, and it's so pleasurable, how did you both find the balance between the grief, the weight that you do carry, and you you can't lose that knowledge. Like you said, that was in you. Like, how did you strike the balance between that and the pleasure and the joy of fantasy?
1: Maybe because um, we did a long, long take. It was a moment of 25 minutes. And that moment we did two... Takes filmed totally differently one the camera was on a sort of track with a long lens we could go 300 like that and then we felt we had to be inside it, the place that she Clarice would have taken at the table if she had been there so the empty chair and Christophe sat there the DOP And uh, it would be like if Clarice was filming. And because it went on 25 minutes, there was really moments where they were really having fun together. Together with Vicky. uh, I mean, Arie and Vicky together. That was written. They had some structure at one moment when uh, Vicky would see... Marie, for instance, uh, touched the hair of the little boy. She knew that she had to say, il a grandi. You know, there was rendezvous, like that. Mm. And uh, there was this thing about, uh, enlève, don,
3: yeah.
1: enlève ton t-shirt, because that's why just before the flutist, the, there was the hair and the tattoos. So uh, th- 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 that's why, and tattoo... Uh,
3: but you had that in mind in the beginning. You yeah. Think. It was directing, really, he said, it's also to seduce him. Yeah. And I think it, the whole movie, to me, seeing it through Mathieu's eyes, it's also an ode to family or a celebration of family or even a worship. So it was a lot, there were so many very beautiful moments and where it was all about life and never about death, ever, really. Yeah. If there was death, it was maybe... An, in something that I would carry everything around was all made to celebrate the the beauty of, of, of family and children
1: and Vicky said that um, being alone in that room up there watching her family uh, the representation of a family that she can't touch because she's up there she, the grief arrived she didn't plan that. No. And all this joy, more it was joyful. And it, it went, we knew that there was, there was going to be end sentences that come from Claudine's text when she says, um, well, it's a Sunday, we're going to order pizza and we're going to prepare the stuff for next morning. And, yeah. and saying those words, it just hit her. And it went to, to yeah. Oh. And But I think it's because there's the 25 minutes. That kind of extended. You shoot, yeah, just two takes, 25 minutes. You prepare a lot before. You prepare just rendezvous. But, I mean, Vicky invented things, I mean when she really grabs Arie, uh, <laughs> she gets him. He was trying not to laugh, you know, he was trying, like, mm, I don't want her. He, that's what I told you. You managed to live without her now. They are big. You found your system without her. Mm-hmm. And, God, she's coming back. Shit, I don't want her. And I, his job was to, <clears throat> but when he goes to the coffee, does a coffee, and il a grandi, he, he, he grew up, and he says that was written. C'est vrai, t'as grandi, and Vicky does a joke. She says toi aussi, t'as grandi. You see you grow grow up, and there it's it's Ari who's fucked. He's seduced. <laughs> She got him. And that's Vicky's invention. And she would, tsk, tsk, yeah. like the song, like cherry. Like. And then Arie was so happy to be loved, you know, like that. I mean, he was there, and she was singing. And the kids, like so cute, and oh, do me this. And the, it's beautiful. And we did, it was raining that day. And so everything is false. The sun is false. It's really light. It was pouring rain outside. And so, uh, Christoph, and yeah, to create those things. And then, yeah, and then he's alone in the kitchen. Mm. And also, yes, the that scene was, so we we shot it in November, and uh, we edited it like that, only with this voice. It was really beautiful, and we came back uh, in the kitchen uh, later on, And, uh, no, we shot it in spring, that one, at the beginning. Yeah, Yeah. and it's in November, when we came back to the... And there was the kitchen that was empty, and and why not then film the reality? Mm. The reality is this woman alone Mm. in the kitchen, and they are not there. So we like did you. it the other way around, mm-hmm. and we, we felt that looking at this spa- space, the two of us. And so Vicky learned the lines, she didn't want to see the editing, she just learned by sound, and I just told her, he's, re- he's seated there, he's seated there, and, and she would redo the scene that she had invented. And in the editing, that's really a moment where I cried. I mean, uh, it's when you go from uh, the imagination that is so beautiful to alone in that space.
2: It really makes you wish that what she was imagining is real. You're like, maybe there's an alternate dimension where this is happening, you know?
1: It's denial, it's, uh, of course.
2: Um, I think we, we can do one more question. Uh, if anyone has, and then they need to go, so.
4: Hi, I'm Canon. Uh, I really, uh, I mean, I would like to say that the movie was hauntingly beautiful. I cried a lot, actually. And uh, the one thing that, uh, it's more of my an observation, is that loss, I'm, I'm a pediatrician, uh, loss generally leads to people uh, uh resorting to narratives. Narratives that are especially kind of recursive, that keep repeating. I, I felt that all those repetitions, they were like poetry, like meter, you know. Yeah. There's this moment where someone says, sen- uh, senor, uh, uh, senorita or yeah, yes. something. Yes. And that keeps repeating.
1: Yeah.
4: And, and that kind of haunts you. And it's also beautiful. And uh, it's fractal-like. Thanks a lot for the movie.
1: Oh, no, thank, thank you.
3: It's funny because when I am asked, oh, not asked, but when I try to tell people to go see the movie, which I do a lot with this one, uh, I, I never know how, how to explain. I say it's a poem. I don't know how to say it. It's like poetry. Go see it. You will be lost, like in a good poem. You will follow something that you don't know, like in a good poem. You will be moved, and in the end, you come out with something that is not about right or wrong, you know. So it's interesting you say that if you did it consciously or unconsciously, but to me, if he's not around, I say he's a poet, and it's actually a a poem.
0: All right, now you can respond. Oh, no, but. You have Let's say that to,
1: uh, because i film filmed uh, for 20 years now with the same crew, uh, I have to surprise them because uh, I'm going to be ashamed if we already did that in a okay. previous film. And so we are continually um, in love with cinema and trying to find new rhymes, new way of graphically put things together. It's true, and uh, that's really exciting. And to uh, and and Vicky and Arie and the kids were like beautiful verses that you could. Pfft. Well,
2: it's a I beautiful note to end. That on. is a beautiful <laughs> note to end on. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: Thank you both so much for oh, joining thank us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, everybody.
3: Thank you.